I'm a superhero. I'm Father Man with my all-powerful no, put that down. <laughs> but the only thing that Father Man can't deal with is baby caca. Welcome, everybody, to a brand new episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast. Heck yeah! I'm your host, David Luzader, and with me, as always, is... Nick Shermooksness. Yes, welcome. Welcome to the show, Nick. Welcome to the show, listeners. Welcome to the show, me. It's, uh, well, it's... You're not even going to let me welcome you to the show? Do you want to welcome me to the show? Go ahead. Welcome to the show, David. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Now, before we before we get started... I want to go ahead and let everyone know that no, Jason Momoa has not been confirmed as Aquaman. For some reason, the Variety article that confirmed him back in June, which proved to be false, is circulating again. And every news outlet is like, oh, by the way, we knew it was true. It's not. You've been lied to. You've been duped. Ah, uh, the internet and its ability to misquote and represent everything. Everything. Another it's, thing. Wait, you wonder what's real in the world, you know? What's real, what's not? What's fantasy? What's true? I, well, I, I think you and I have a, a pretty loose grip on that anyway, which is why we read comics. Fair enough. Or Continue. maybe we, we have too firm of a grip on it, and that's why we read comics. Comic books are our escape from a solid and unforgiving and unrelenting world. Yes. Anyway. Before we before we get going, I also want to take a moment and uh, at, at the opening of the show here, as you all just heard, played a little clip from Robin Williams back in back in the seventies when he was first on uh, on Saturday Night Live, and I'm not going to comment on on the things that he struggled with in his life and you know the fact that he committed suicide. Other people with authority will handle that. And this is kind of odd for us to do on a comics podcast, but I just want to say, the man was a living legend, he will be sorely missed, and I am very sad that he is no longer in this world. I am on the same page as you. It was very hard news to swallow. It's it's one of those events that I feel like we need to comment on, even though it really has nothing to do with comics, you know? Well, I think he, he had some uh, connection to the comic book world. How extensive, I have no idea, but... He's someone that I think appreciated the industry, or at least the the nature of comics. And uh, like you said, he's a living legend. He just he he touched a lot of areas, and he's a, a true talent, and he'll be missed. And I just think, as fans in general, it's nice that we're paying him some level of tribute. Yes. So we we will we will miss you, Robin Williams, and the genie, and all that such stuff. Go out and watch The Birdcage. It's on Netflix. You'll have yourself a good time. But enough of the sad stuff. Let's move on to to other things, to comic books. Comic books, you always come back for more comic books. Uh, at least for me personally, I only picked up two books this week. It was a very low-key week compared to, I feel like, some of the ones we've had uh, lately. Nick, you picked up a lot more than I did. Per usual. Per usual. You also are continuing with Spider-Man 2099. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. I have not read the latest issue yet, so I cannot tell you 
if it's improved upon the first. You know my feelings. Um, I know your feelings, and I know that you're wrong. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, as far as the week goes, you're right. It, it, it's one of those things where, like, technically some big books came out, like Original Sin, you know, would be considered a big book. Oh, is this a conclusion? No, it's the penult- penultimate? penultimate penultimate yes. issue. Uh, I haven't I haven't read it. Uh, I did kind of peruse the spoils, but um, I don't I don't I don't like giving a complete statement unless I've actually read the material. Uh, fair. Um, and I'm sure we'll do the event update once the the uh, event itself has wrapped. Um, but as far as books go, um, it's I don't know. I mean, there there were some good books that came out. I mean, you've got your your trusty faithfuls and Batman Eternal. And Future's End, Future's End, which we'll get up to in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, well, off the top of my head, I can't think about what else came out. Well, I know, I know God is Dead, which is a book that I don't think you or I are reading. No, but um, isn't that like Jonathan Hickman started it? And then, like, I know Mike Costa writes it, and I think it's like a jam book. I have no idea. All I know is that, that it's it was a Hickman deal that, uh, I don't know has very bright covers that I see all the time and I feel like I should check it out. I just haven't. And, uh, sex criminals number seven also came out, which I dropped that book a while ago. I don't know. I, 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 I'm going to need to look in to see how that's going. See if it's worth me coming back to maybe reading it in chunks. Yeah. See what happens after. Yeah. There's some stuff. There's some stuff that I'm curious about that happened. Mm -hmm. But something about it just wasn't grabbing me to keep me going through it month because to month. Because the ultimate hipster book, maybe? It was pretty dang hipster. But I don't know. I mean, I love Scott Pilgrim, which everyone cries is like the the hipster Bible of comics. I mean, I feel like, and I think by the nature of being a hipster, you're a little self-aware of the fact that you're a hipster. Wait, 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 wait. You think I'm a hipster? No. Oh. Well, you are a little bit, but... What? Uh... Um, but that, that's not what we're here to talk about. This isn't the Heck Yeah Hipsters podcast. No, but we, um, <laughs> we will have a conversation later, young man. <laughs> yeah, we will. Um, but it, it, I but I think with this with Scott Pilgrim, I, I certainly don't I, – I really don't know Brian Lee O'Malley whatsoever. Uh, me reading it was like it definitely played up sort of, if you can call it, hipster culture, but it was sort of an irreverent kind of uh, making fun of itself kind of – uh, tone, atmosphere, whatever, hijinks, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. Uh, I feel like, based on the one issue of Sex Criminals I've read, and my my general feelings toward Matt Fraction and his work is that he is, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but kind of like is a, a hipster. Oh, he totally uh, is. If... So it's it's like a little tongue in cheek on the fact that it's hipster, as far as anything can be a little self aware, but I I don't think it's trying to point out the, the ludicrousness and the, the ridiculousness that can sometimes be associated that hipsters might be a little oblivious to and how they are. Yeah. And I always viewed Scott Pilgrim. Uh, he himself as a character was not a hipster. He was just surrounded by hipsters. Yeah. He was more like the, the gamer nerd kid and kind of found himself on the edges of, I mean, the, the cool kids in high school you know and so he ended up hanging out with the kids who would become like the hipsters and the whatnot yeah i mean i think it's i, I think especially with scott pilgrim it it was 
Yeah, okay. For the most part, they're all hipsters. You read seconds, and they all come off as hipsters. Yeah, that was um, way more hipster. That that was that was very hipster. Um, but um, I I just think it's fairly self referential, self aware. I think that's the yeah. Oh, I can describe it. Yeah, Brian Lee O'Malley is very aware of his his hipster leanings. Yeah, I would say. Which, like I said, it's not derogatory. I, I in particular, I, I find, you know, I think that a lot of times, besides the, the you, sometimes you can get lost in a certain level of pretentiousness. I think a lot of good things can come out of hipster culture. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Like right, you said, yeah. that, that was yeah, a, hipsters podcast is next week. That was a rabbit hole. Uh, let's talk about. You, you said you said before we started uh, recording here that you had a couple things that you wanted to to touch on to talk about. Kind of coming from the whole original sin thing, right? Yes, David. I want to talk about your original sin, your hygiene. That, that, that didn't even make sense. That yes, didn't even make did. sense. It totally did. Bow, bow, bow. Anyway, I can um, I can have another you here in no time. <laughs> you can't clone this. I, um, I, was, I don't want to clone this. I just want to replace you, it. You know that two of me are better than one of me. No, that would be I, I. that would be trouble for so many. Anyway, let's talk about the books you read this week, or at least a couple um, of them. All right. Well, I didn't. <laughs> well, today because I had the day off, I literally just sat and read like twenty comp books in a row. It was interesting. In a lot of ways, like all the details kind of blur together now. Yeah, I can well, do it, that. It, oh, go ahead. It, it's like it's like I was like I was reading them, but instead of like like reading it for the enjoyment of the content and the execution. I literally was just like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 19, 20 done. Like just like, mm-hmm. Oh, that issue's done. Oh, here's the next one. All right, cool. Punisher shoots someone, black widow zap someone. Great. Done. Like boom, boom, boom. Like it just, it just, I was like, I was trying, I mean, I granted, I have large stacks of comic books. I'm trying to whittle down. And maybe once I've actually gone through my, my stack of, uh, leftover comics and I start reading things like just the books that are coming out week by week it'll feel more <laughs> a sense of reading for the enjoyment of them and not trying to clear up clutter space on my desk mm-hmm. so to speak yeah. anyway that's not here nor there I um I read the latest Amazing Spider-Man I read uh, the the new Spider-Man uh, it's not an origin story but it's set around Spider-Man's origin uh, it's called Learning to Crawl. I read the latest issue of that. Uh, I've got some thoughts on that. I completed the first arc of Justice League United. Uh, Here, let's, et cetera, talk, et cetera. let's talk about, because uh, you said they revealed who this other woman who was bit by the spider is. Oh, yeah. yeah. So uh, her name is Cindy Moon. I don't really know where they came up with that name. Well, she was uh, she's she's a lost member of Sailor Moon. I'm assuming she must be. Only explanation. Only explanation. Um, so, on one hand, what what I really like about this new character is her connections to my um my my particularly preferred Spider-Man run. Um, when I got into Spider-Man, it was just, well, when I was just getting Spider-Man, when I really just, when I really started reading the comics, it was when J. Michael Straczynski took over the book. Um, and he had introduced this villain named Moreland, this other character named Ezekiel. Uh, and he was trying to tie, he was trying to, 
expand the mythology of Spider-Man's origin with certain certain uh, totemic elements, um, which was all for me as like a new reader at like I don't know like twelve or thirteen, however old I was. Like I was like, like whoa, this is cool. Every, yeah, I, everything I, comics I, does when you're like at that age is so awesome. It is, and I can, and now with where I am, where, where I'm at now, I could totally see the message boards blowing up with people being like, "You can't connect Spider-Man's powers to like freaking mythology and uh, totems and all this stuff." But yeah, it's over. I think it's on something like to truly appreciate comics, you gotta be like twelve. And I say that, and I don't mean that like we can't appreciate them now, but we're such at least between you and I, like. We're really critical thinkers, and at kids, it's just Spider-Man's powers are like totem-based, and like there's this weird totem vampire guy, and all like you're just like holy crap, all this stuff is awesome. Yeah, superhero comics require a, a much bigger suspension of disbelief that comes much easier to uh, those who are 13 and under. Yeah, it's unfortunate that we've lost that on some level. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's entirely gone. There's books that we're that we are very willing to look past that kind of stuff, but it's not all of them. Yeah, no, no, no. And it's weird because you almost you think of the argument too, because it's like, on one hand, I feel like you can take two different books, and on one book we'd be, you know, it could be a book about flying unicorn shooting, you know, optic blasts from their eyes. And we'd be Don't like... give Marvel ideas on what to do with Cyclops. <laughs> and they'd be shooting the optic blasts out of their horns, which I know would not be optic blasts, but come on. Uniclops. Uniclops. <laughs> oh, what have we done? The X-Men My Little Pony crossover that nobody wanted. No, oh, that's a lie. Man. There's a lot of people out there who are just waiting they, for they it. Would, they would love that. Um, you know, you know, and we'd be Marvel, like... you can send your checks to... Anyway. Yeah, comics. Um, you know, but it, but it's like, you could read that book and be like, that's not what unicorns do. And you can read it or, and you can read another book where like everyone's flying around shooting lasers and stuff, but like something like about a character's relationship with another person, you'd be like, that totally doesn't happen in real life. That's ridiculous. And it's like your suspension of disbelief just like changes depending on like what you're reading, the way it's presented to you, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, I feel like, like one of my my uh, trepidations about checking out the upcoming Green Arrow creative team is that what I seem to enjoy on the show might not necessarily translate well to comic book form. I, I meant to send you, I saw something earlier today where they were talking about, oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know why I thought I read it online. It was actually in the back of the, all you the see, books. It, it showed the ad, the picture. Yeah, well, and there's a little thing on the side of it. The one thing that kind of got me a little more... Uh, I don't want to say excited. Like, uh, my guard is down a little bit more about it. It's because they said in there that it's Robin Hood from page number one. Like they're going back to that part of the character. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just throwing that out there because you were talking about it. But that, that's that's completely valid concerns. I understand what you're saying. You know, it just it, I think the the idea of suspension of disbelief is just an interesting concept, and um, it'd be worth exploring in future installments. Uh, anyway, so back Cindy to Cindy Moon. Moon. Cindy Moon. Um, so this character, Ezekiel, that was introduced way back when J. Michael Straczynski took over the book. Mm-hmm. Um, he was another person. He was an older man with spider powers. Uh, and unlike Peter, who sort of took his abilities and 
uh, left showbiz for the lucrative world of crime fighting. Right. Ezekiel monetized his abilities to some never really explained extent, and he built a uh, a large fortune, and he has like his own company and all this stuff. Merchandising. Um, mer- yeah, whatever it was he was doing. And he he came out of the shadows and approached Peter to tell him that Moreland, this sort of totem vampire, was com- coming for him. Mm-hmm. That Peter, by the nature of his abilities, was sort of like a pure to- totemic source. Uh, and that's basically what Moreland feeds on. And Ezekiel offered him to basically lock himself, to lock Peter inside of like an adamantium in- enforced room for like the rest of his life. You know, so that makes sense. So that Moreland couldn't wouldn't be able to find him. And Peter said no, and then there was this huge scuffle. Ezekiel was presumed dead. Um, you know, Spider-Man eventually finds that the way to beat Moreland was to inject himself with radiation. Um, Are you sure then, it wasn't to just like the power of friendship or something? No, no, that's Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> right. Um, My bad. And then it. it presumably kills Moreland. If you continue past that initial story, like both Moreland and Ezekiel come back um, what? multiple times. Um, but anyway, so that, 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 um, that was the initial story with Ezekiel and Moreland. So what you find out is that that Ezekiel had found out that another person had been bit by the same spider that Peter did on the you know, same day. And he found her and was able to, you know, and this is when they're both, you know, they're both basically teenagers, I think. So she was around the same age as Peter, but he never found him. But he found her, and he basically said, like, you need to come with me or you're going to die. Like, Moreland's going to find you. Okay, good. Uh, I'd rather went that route instead of, like, the old man approaches a young girl and is like, you want to make some money? Right. right. You've got, a, no, you've got no. some talents, girl. So he, so Ezekiel basically locked her in the same room he offered Peter, um, a, a different one. And she basically was stuck there for, like, ten years. Okay. Um, so as of, so then with original sin, where everyone gets exposed to secrets, they never knew Peter, it's revealed to Peter that there was someone else bitten by the spider and it gives him sort of this psychic impression to go find her. So he finds the facility where she's being kept, you know, at this point, Ezekiel has been long dead. Um, so I don't really know what happened to his company and all his assets, but she was still <laughs> he just forgot about her there. I think, I think she just got forgot. But she she was just forgotten. So Peter finds her and releases her. And then she's like, what the heck did you just do now that I'm out? Moreland can find me. And then, of course, the final page of the issue was Moreland's like, ah, just like that. Okay. Um, so that, that just because it's dealing with characters that I have a nostalgia for from when I first got into comics, going back to that same, you know, 12, 13 year old um you know, thing where like it's like the prime age for getting in the, the comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited for where it's going. Execution wise, as much as I love Superior Spider Man, I'm I still haven't quite warmed up to slots uh Peter Parker proper. Uh, for 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 everything he's been through, he comes off as just a complete man child and I've sort of lost my patience with uh man children. Um it's what you know. It's one like I think I explained. It's one thing with Chris Pratt in Starlord, where he was a man-child character, but it's like you could see he was on the path to personal development. Mm-hmm. Whereas like with Peter, you know, he's been around for like forty plus years, and he's clearly learned nothing. Um, 
anyway, that's not here or there. So I'm actually interested in in this new character, Cindy Moon. She goes by the name Silk. Uh, so far, her costume is just her webbing her naked body with webs. So okay. interesting. Um, and she's kind of showing up at the same time that uh, that Black Cat and Electro are trying to destroy Spider-Man's life. Um, I know what you're thinking, David. Why is Black Cat trying to destroy Spider-Man? I thought they were on-again, off-again lovers. And I'm going to give you the answer, David. And it's that in Superior Spider-Man, the Superior Spider-Man caught her and roped her up and left her for the police so that her identity was outed. Mm. And basically all of her assets, everything was taken from her. uh, And she was stuck in prison. So she basically just built up this huge, you know, mad on to take down Spider-Man, not realizing that it was a different person. And even though Peter tried to explain to her the first time she came after him that, you know, he was not the same person, it doesn't really matter to her. Her life is still ruined and um, she wants revenge. Well, way to, way problem- to anticipate that question, by the way. I know, I know that you're totally thinking it, and that's an interesting thing. And I think it it come it it kind of leads into one of my thoughts, which is like writing the stories for your characters, not the characters for your stories. Because on one hand, technically, if you go a little bit further back, Black Cat already had her identity exposed, so it's weird that that was kind of forgotten right. I about. Yeah, I didn't really know that she. Yeah, I thought she wasn't like she wasn't entirely secret. Yeah, I, I, I think her idea was actually she was in prison in Kevin Smith's Spider Man slash Black Cat miniseries. Okay. Which is it's in canon. Uh or in continuity, sorry. Or it is canon. Sorry. Yeah, canon canon was Um And uh yeah, and I know it's like she had worked for the mayor's office too, but I don't remember too many details on that. But I mean either way, like it seemed like that was kind of conveniently forgotten about to allow this you know, this plot to happen where this time her identity gets exposed and like it ruins everything for her and she gets and I understand she's angry and people that are angry do irrational things and can't always listen to reason but I feel like at this point she's been handed enough evidence to be like maybe I don't need to go on this you know this crusade and she's just not buying it and I just feels really one dimensional and forced for the character I, I kind of I try to give that you know she's a fairly clever and smart character I think it's somewhat um, it, it kind of hurts the character just being like she's just this bullheaded and single focused when she's never really been interpreted like that before you know yeah but it is what it is uh, we'll we'll see how that pans out I, I haven't been as big a fan of this initial Amazing Spider-Man you know reopening so to speak. Uh, I am intrigued to see how Cindy Moon develops and uh, how this all leads into Spider Verse. Mm-hmm. Um, but this initial arc with like Electro and Black Cat and just Black Cat's general um, attitude and all that—it's just it's not the biggest thing for me. But it, it's interesting. I'll, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, uh, Cindy Moon also totally sounds like the name of a girl I would have had a huge crush on in high school. It does. It sounds like a weird '70s song title. Like, oh yeah, no, it really does. Cindy Moon, like it just sounds like something you'd you'd hear from like a '70s song. Hmm. Interesting. Right. I don't know where they came up with the name. I'd be curious to pick Dan Slot's brain on that. Yeah. Uh, of course, 
the one bright spot in Amazing Spider-Man is the continued presence of Anna Maria Marconi, the uh, girlfriend who is also a dwarf of oh, the yeah. Superior Spider-Man. So, so give me like the the twenty second ex like I or not even like just answer the question. Her, I'm guessing her and Peter are not dating. Her and Peter are are not uh, dating. Um, basically, uh, at the end of Superior, she like found a ring that auto like auto peter was going to propose to her um but she also realizes she also realizes that peter and spider-man are the same person uh, auto peter and spider-man are the same person so at the same time like peter's getting back to his apartment and being like oh wow i live in this apartment this is really nice she comes to the door and it's just like like she has i'm pretty sure she had the ring in her hand and but she was like why didn't you tell me that you were spider-man and then he then peter at the same time not only had to tell her that yes i am spider-man but also, I'm not. I'm not the, the person you thought I was. Yeah. You know, I'm. Uh, you know that that was actually Doctor Octopus. So she literally just kind of stares at him for a second and then starts cooking. Because <laughs> they, they moved in together. So so basically, Peter was just like, and she's working for the company that Auto created, Parker mm-hmm. Industries. So basically, it's come to this point where she's just like, well, I don't really have any place to go. And Peter obviously is a nice guy, and he's like, "You can stay here for as long as you want." So now they're sharing an apartment together, despite the fact that she was almost engaged to Peter, and now uh, has just, to rationalize to just his body, to just you know. And now you know it's it, that's one of the things that I was most interested in, you know, post Superior Spider Man was how they were going to deal with Anna Maria Marconi, and now she's going to kind of be his his confidant, sort of his um his helper at the, the, the Parker industries because oh. he, because auto Peter started it as like a cybernetics mm-hmm. research center. And Peter Parker knows nothing about cybernetics beyond some menial things like making web shooters. So he, and she is a cybernetics ep- expert. So he's now like leaning on her to one help him, you know, not look like an idiot while dealing with stuff that he supposedly created and B be a cover for Spider-Man. You know, huh. if he has to run off and do something Spider-Man like, so it's also because it's also kind of funny. Some weird things going on between Peter and Cindy, like they were fighting, like on a rooftop about like what to do, and then they just started making out. So there's this weird spider spider totem connection that they're playing up that like okay. doesn't matter like if they're mad at each other or what. Like they just start like tearing at each other's clothes. So she actually comes racing back to the apartment to find Peter because there was a problem going on. And the uh-huh. second she walks in the door, there's Peter and Cindy making out on the ceiling. Okay. So like you're seeing your almost fiance making out with another woman, even though he's not the same person. Like I just I feel so bad for because you try to rationalize all that stuff in your head, you'd go crazy. Yeah. So I'm partly reading the book just to see how uh, Anna Maria Marconi develops. That's that's interesting. Uh, you know, you're saying all this stuff, and if you were telling me, I feel like any other book was going through all of this insanity i would be like that's such crap they're doing such weird stuff with this character but with everything they've done with spider-man especially the all the uh the, the clone crap they went through in the 90s i'm just i'm just not surprised yeah at all. but and really sometimes it's not so much that it's a bad idea but bad execution and the clone saga did not have to be as bad as it ultimately ended no up being. no it was it was a pretty bad idea when push comes to shove, it was a pretty bad idea. It would be a bad idea to clone you, David. No, I think that would work out for everyone. No, not really. I don't. I don't think so. I don't know if Debbie would want to deal with the two Davids. Uh, well, okay. First one. of all, we wouldn't. But why would Debbie have to deal 
with two of me. Because she's already dealing with one of you. Ayo! No, I mean, I don't get why. If I had a clone, I'd be like, yeah, you have to stick around and live with me and not leave my site. I mean, there's other things we would... Have you not seen the prestige? There's yes, a lot we could prestige. do. <laughs> there's a lot you could do. Now you're thinking about what you could do with your own clone. A lot of it involves... Um, don't want to know. Don't. Nope. None no. of it involves sex, yeah. you freak. Don't. Don't want to know. You're 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 a disgusting. I don't want to know if you are planning a bank robbery or anything else illegal. <laughs> Only like ninety percent of the ideas were illegal. The others <laughs> involved becoming a stand-up comedy team. That actually would be kind of funny. It would be fantastic. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. So Spider-Man. Um, Spider-Man is well, a thing. The he's way that I he's a man. He's a man and Spider-Man. a spider. Spider-Man does whatever. Spider-Man can. He what 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 I've always described Dan Slott's approach to Spider-Man. It's literally like the Saturday morning Spider-Man cartoon, but obviously with like a PG-13 rating. Now, Dan Slott's been writing Spider-Man for what twenty-five years now. Feels like it. Probably in the amount of issues he's written, it's basically it's probably amounted to like twenty-five years. He mm -hmm. started writing it as part of the Spider-Man Brain Trust after Straczynski left, um, after one more day. So he's been writing it since. 2007 maybe man do you think like they tried to fire him and he just like laughed in their faces and kept submitting scripts i feel like i feel like 2008 man he's been since 2008 um Six i feel like dance lot clearly has been profitable and right. as long oh, as no, it's, it's profitable it's and, and and enticing the fans they'll keep publishing him he certainly has his fans he certainly has his detractors. Um, I'm kind of somewhere in between where I was a huge fan of Superior Spider-Man for the majority of its run, though I do feel like the final arc kind of faltered. Uh, and I haven't been crazy about this new this new launch of Amazing, but it's got enough elements in play, especially going into Spider-Verse, that I'm, it's, it's, it's keeping my interest at the very least. Yeah, you know, there's, it, it's, it's like any... Any writer, I feel like you give them enough time on a book, they're gonna have high points. They're gonna have low points. Exactly. You know, in 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 a year, he could be writing the best Spider-Man story of all time, and then six months after that, we'll be like, oh, it's just more crap we have to wade through. Great. Yeah, and I, and I think that part of it is that, especially coming off of Superior Spider-Man, I like I personally didn't want the end. The end, though, I knew it was a concept that couldn't. You know that couldn't sustain itself forever though mm -hmm. i i think it, it kind of went out when it needed to but then at the same time you think of that and it's like well what's the difference between this being its own concept and the fact that peter parker has been basically the same concept for like 50 years you know so yeah, i yeah, feel you like can make that argument for you make anything yeah so so i think what it was was that i was i think the, if if i was the person writing it which maybe it isn't the most fair thing to to say but if I was coming out of Superior Spider-Man, I had these big status quo changes to play with, I probably would have done it differently. And I realized that Peter and Superior Spider-Man are different characters, but I feel like the changes that Peter went through to get to this new Amazing Spider-Man title, he, he's more of like walking around like a wide-eyed kind of dopey child, like, what? Like, all this stuff? This is crazy? Like, what? He's more and like an inexperienced Spider-Man because yeah, I, the book, the movie. But, yeah, but I I don't know. I I feel like I probably would have approached his his return and him dealing with some of the superior Spider Man 
status quo changes a little differently, but it's Dan Slott's book. He's got a long-term goal in mind. Uh, I'm interested to see where it goes. Yeah, we'll have to uh, occasionally talk about it. Or more should I say, you'll have to talk about it for 20 minutes at a time while I sit there and listen. Was that about 20 minutes? That was about 20 minutes. Record time. <laughs> That's not a, no, not a good thing. <laughs> What's the next on the docket? Anyway, well, let's, you know, let's go ahead and just get, go ahead and talk about our event update of the week. Let's go ahead and, you know, an update, future's end, thing, it's a thing and the thing. Five years in the future of the DC universe, everything sucks. And then apparently in 30 years after that, everything's going to suck even more. Things happen. Yeah. Uh, well, do they, though? Do they? Do they? I mean, not a lot has really happened. It's a lot of peddling in place. For for 15 issues, yeah, there hasn't been... There hasn't been a, and, the, and a lot of time has passed in this book, too. I'd said, like, three weeks since... Three weeks have passed, I think, as of the latest issue. Lois Lyme mentions... It's been three weeks since Green Arrow since died. Since Green Arrow died, yeah, and and uh, Frankenstein or Amethyst or whatever mentions like, oh, we've been in this cell for a week. Like these, this big, this relatively big chunk of time has passed for you know all this crazy stuff going on, and it doesn't feel like a lot has happened. No, it's 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 a lot of running in place. Um, I mean, you've had you've had the the supervillains slash Batman Beyond planning this break-in for Terrific Tech for which like is, six issues. Yeah, which is kind of the highlight of the book, I would say. Because it's Brian Azzarello. I mean, that's that's part of it. It's like kind of the best written, but it comes in such small chunks. You look that, for it, you long for it. Yeah, and, and it kind of is getting to the point where you're right, where they've been planning it for so long that I just want it to happen. Yeah, and it feels like it's going to be really cool when it happens, or it's going to be like a one-page thing that is kind of disappointing. Anyway, we'll have to we'll have to see. Then you got you know you got the Tim Drake story, which you know it seems to be taking on a life of its own. But Lois... again, nothing's really happening there. Yeah, I, I think like the whole idea is supposed to be that he's gone so long hiding from his past, but now it's starting to creep back out. You know, his old habits are coming back out. That he's not gonna be able to hide who he really is forever, but that's just been so slow going that I'm not sure that's even the track they want to be on. Anyway, and then there's also you're gonna say there's the Lois Lane storyline where she got that mysterious box full of four items, which I think she got from Amico. Uh, maybe. I'm getting that vibe. Does Amico? Did they say that Amico knows about the island though? Uh, they haven't mentioned, but they haven't mentioned that she didn't. But she doesn't. Uh, yeah, the masked, masked super. Do you think the masked, masked Superman is the same guy? As, as Superman? As as that Earth super, as Earth Prime Superman? Yeah. Uh, no, I don't think it is. No. I think it's someone It'd be else. Too obvious. Well, do you, who do you think it is? I mean, do you think it's the same as Earth Prime? I don't know. He he obviously has a different. He talks differently. You know, but you you get the vibe that everyone's changed a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, a little or a lot because of this Earth War. Um, but I feel like a lot would have to happen for Superman to kind of to turn to an ass, you know, because yeah. this guy comes off as more of an ass than like someone who's alignment. He's he's much more aloof. Yeah. 
which is not something you would expect from Superman. Yeah. Um, there, there's the, the the small Johnson John Constantine plot where well, he's like chasing that weird Kirby like alien. Okay, and I had completely forgotten about that, and that seems like that's supposed to be a really big plot point. Yeah, I forgot that they. I it, he was he was saying something to that the female character the to Midge, and uh-huh. I'm like, oh yeah, didn't he like introduce his own little team of people in like like six issues ago? That we yeah we have not seen at all like in that time yeah so and then the and then they had you they they stopped in on uh, Mr. Miracle and Hawk Girl and someone else who I don't really know who she is um and then you have Big Barda popping up as well I mean I know new characters are going to come in and out but it was mm-hmm. I think they're also I think uh the future the not future's end the world's end the earth 2 world's end is uh-huh. going to be um tying in with this so I think they're kind of lead there's going to be spilling out of this so I think they're tying into it but, yeah yeah, yeah. And it does make sense they're going to introduce new characters but it would do them well to introduce the new characters into the like existing plot lines and not let it branch out too much yeah exactly you want to keep the story with you got 52 issues you might as well keep the characters in the book yeah well it's like it's like the constant thing hasn't shown up for such a long time mm-hmm. that I'd completely forgotten they were searching for alien dude. Uh, now they're doing the, uh, the the amethyst and Hawkman romance. Potential no, romance. no, no. She says she says they're not going to end up together. Okay, so they're not yeah. going to end up together. Which is bad writing for. We're going to end up together. Yep, not totally. Here's one thing. So this book is all about five years in the future. Everything is terrible. And now the plot line of the story is thirty years in the future. Everything is going to be worse. And we need to stop it, which is not really the plot line I saw this going with. Well, I mean, it's it's that's been the plot line since issue one. Has you know, it? it base, well, it be, if you think of thirty five years from now being the present, the the story is actually about Batman Beyond. Oh, you're talking about like past. issue zero, right? I read issue zero. Well, well, because there's nothing. There was really nothing I felt like to indicate the 35 years later until the end of issue 12 or 13, the one with the Joker, where they see or where he sees Batman. Bruce Wayne on the table. Yeah. Well, no, I'm just saying that that, that if you think if you can if you think of it as 35 years in the future being our present or the present of the story, the story is about Batman Beyond traveling to the past to prevent the uprising of Brother I, but arriving at the wrong time. Okay, five years yeah. in the future of the current DC. So, you know, it's it's just about this period of time. And, and of course, it's about... I think at this point, the only character actually trying to stop the main conflict is Batman Beyond. Everything else is all the plots that deal, that tie into... The up the, the the rise of Brother I, to one extent or another. Well, and now and now you have Frankenstein, Amethyst, and and Hawkman who are aware of it. At least Frankenstein is. Yeah. So, you know, okay, you know, I'd completely forgotten that that's the original reason he was in, uh, he was in this this timeline, which they probably should have mentioned a couple more times. I've <laughs> only had fifteen issues to to bring it up again. I mean, even like even 
Alfred, the Alfred bot mentioning it at some point. Like, don't, you know, don't get too sidetracked with this. We remember we're on this mission. Yada, yada, yeah, yada. we actually haven't seen the Alfred voice for a while. Well, he was in the one, he was in like the last one when his suit was all shutting down. Yeah. Not that it was saying anything insightful, but it was still there. Yeah, I actually, because I, I realized I still hadn't read issue 10. So I read <laughs> issue 10 first and then jumped straight to 13. And it was just funny because in issue 10, there were things in it clearly didn't pan out in 11 or 12 mm-hmm. but between like 13 14 15 like all it was things that were happening in 10 were like all paying off in those issues oh, so like huh. it was just kind of interesting because i feel like like you said like we haven't seen john constantine for like a ton of you know like a handful of issues and how he, here he is popping up again and there was stuff that if i had read 10 like when it first came out i probably would have forgotten everything that happened i mean i've issue. i've probably forgotten everything that happened yeah. Let me see if I can pull up ten real quick here and, and check it out. But oh, I don't even have it in front of me now. But I mean, it's not really here nor there. It's 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 an interesting event series, and I keep kind of putting it on the bubble of: Do I want to keep picking this up? Do I not? I mm-hmm. feel compelled because I want to know what this greater mystery is. But it's kind of like you know, it's a long drink. It's a long walk for a short drink of water, or whatever that phrase is. Mm-hmm. I, I think I totally butchered. It's sort of like I'm sure the payoff could be cool, but is it 52 issues worth of cool? You know, because and yeah. to what extent is this all going to tie into, you know, which I think there's that's the anniversary of Crisis on Infinite Earths next year, probably. To 2015, it was in like 1985. Okay, yeah, so. no, you're right. All the points, everything that happens in 10, is yeah now paying off a couple issues later. Yeah. Which, you know, I have to say, so that, that's good for them because it felt like for a little while there, stuff was not paying off or stuff yeah. was not being, like progress was not being made on these storylines. Yeah. Clearly clearly there are some top-notch writers involved on this project. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're great creators on this project. I think the, the consistency of quality execution leaves a little bit to be desired. Uh, I think I mentioned to you, I don't remember the exact quote was, but it just... It felt like an exposition dump. Yeah, yeah, you didn't mention that. A zero atmosphere exposition dump. It's sort of like I'm not really getting invested in individual characters. I'm not putting myself in the situation that they're in. I'm like reading about it, like telling, not showing. Yeah, and and I know it seems kind of ridiculous, you know, the the books 15 issues in, and you know we're saying like, oh, like by issue 10 they weren't you know things weren't really paying off they weren't really moving the story along enough like that seems kind of ridiculous but at the same time this is a week by week book and it's if they're not if they're not grabbing us enough within that first 10 you know how many people have probably dropped off because they were because they felt like yeah nothing's really happening yeah you know i i mean 15 issues in, and if we still if we if we're still feeling like we're on the bubble then it, you know regardless of what the payoff ends up being like was it worth getting there Hard to say. Yeah. Say. Yeah. And and the thing, like, you know, is this just going to end up being another 52 where this is all going to happen and then in a few years we're never going to talk about it again? Well, I think that multiversity is going to play a lot with elements from 52 from that weekly series. Yeah, that's because Grant Morrison loves to bring up that old stuff and play around with it and have fun, and that's great. Well, I think multiversity was intended to come out shortly after 52 yeah. and it just never materialized until now 
Well, He's been working on it for a long time. Because it's a haunted book, Nick. It is. Haunted books take a while. Like, lot, take longer than regular books. He couldn't. He couldn't just release it. The book wouldn't let him. <laughs> Fair enough. Or he's been trying to keep it from us because he insists that you don't read the book. Mm. Anti marketing. Hmm. 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 Interesting. Anyway. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, Frank. From and maybe it's the nostalgia setting in again. You know that I was a bit younger when the. Fifty two came out, but I've been reading that mini- that weekly series and being totally enthralled by it. Yeah, for I mean, for me at that point too, like that was like I had just started getting into the DC universe more with like like just prior to Infinite Crisis, and then Infinite Crisis happened. And I was like, whoa! And then Fifty two <laughs> happened. And I was like, all these characters that I never really knew, and just like this whirlwind of a DC universe adventure from from A to B, mm-hmm. and I loved it. I mean. I mean, you had Jeff Johns, Mark Wade, Grant Morrison, Greg Rucka. I think that was everyone. And Keith Giffen, you know, helping with plotting and the, the outlines and stuff. And among all the different artists, it was just, it was high caliber talent, uh, really interesting mystery, uh, really well rendered, you know, characters. And for me, kind of having little to no exposure to the DC universe at that point was just like completely absorbed by it. With Future Zen, maybe it's just the 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 pessimist, the comic pessimist in me setting settling in. But it just the mystery hasn't felt worth it yet. Because ultimately, all, the, the whatever maybe greater threads there are, we kind of already know what's going to happen. It's either a this terrible future as we know it comes to pass regardless, or mm-hmm. b it doesn't. Yeah, that, that's kind of it. You know, I mean, that's kind of the basic thing in, in any story is either something good happens by the end or something bad happens by the end, if you want to true. simplify it. Very true. So, and if it's a Marvel event, it's always something bad. Or at very least a different color Hulk shows up. <laughs> um, you know, so for this, I, I think at, at that point, it really does come down to the to the quality of the journey itself. And so far, I just haven't been blown away by the journey. Yeah, no, and that's fair. One thing I do want to praise... Uh, the new or the uh, future's end for is and this is kind of it's funny because I kind of had the complaint of this with uh, Batman Eternal. Uh, my praise is that they've done a really good job of keeping the art styles very similar, and that mm. that does kind of give a consistency to the book. And because there's issues of Batman Eternal, uh, there's the one where Batgirl was in Brazil, and do you remember oh, that? that? Yeah, yeah. The style well, of that. Ramon Villarabros or something like that? It was just so bizarre for a superhero book. And now you have these people who are coming in and and illustrating Red Hood with a face. Yep. Which was very jarring. And even in this week's issue, like, he has a face. And just the inconsistency of styles kind of gets to me every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And I've yet to encounter that with this book. Fair enough. Future Zen has had a fairly consistent art team. That that's meshed well together. Yeah, and and it's just it's nice to have that with this kind of book, where there's there's consistency. I think the writing of Frankenstein and the whole Amethyst storyline is still pretty bad, and that's where that's where most of the exposition is, mm-hmm. and a lot of over talking. But what are you gonna do? You know, good with the bad. It has its high points. It has a lot more low points than we would like. 
but we'll, we're going to keep talking about it. Honestly, if it wasn't for this show, I probably wouldn't be picking it up. No, it feels like and, the show is what's keeping it going. And and that's and part of that is because of the the size of it. Yeah, you know, it's when I when I like said to myself, okay, I'm gonna read Batman. Like I'd be reading Batman Eternal regardless of this show. But I kind of had a moment where I'm like, oh, that's a book a week. Mm-hmm. You're like that's that's so much. Uh, I'm like, am I sure? Do I really want to do this? Mm-hmm. But. Yeah, and I, there's no way I could tackle two of those. I mean, that's part of the reason I have a hard time with Marvel books is because sometimes there's six of them in a month, <laughs> and I just I, I can't I can't commit to that kind of thing. I don't have that kind of time. People, who do you think I am, Nick? Uh, right, right. It's like I have no life outside of reading comics. Yes, it's very but sad. I, but I do focus. Which on let's really and let's do. talk let's talk a second about this pull list. We're not gonna go too much into depth of it. You. You posted in the show notes quite lengthy lists of everything you want to pick up in the next couple months. And I, I, I would say it's not everything that I will pick up, but everything a, I'd be interested in reading. Yeah, and it's over, it's about 600, no, no, 500, about $500 worth of books here. Yes. Yeah. Now, that doesn't account for the 20% off I get at my comic shop, but. But still. But it's still, it's still a lot. And that kind of, that's one of the reasons I did it was normally I would just make a list of like what I think I'd absolutely buy. But in a lot of cases, like some of, say, the Marvel books, I get through trading the digital codes they come with. Mm. Um, you know, not, not, le- not, not all of them, of course. Not, not most of them. Most of them I, you know, I would outright buy. But it did make me kind of look at like, you know, we all kind of live and work on a limited budget and I can't necessarily dedicate all these resources to just these comic books yeah and only it comes down to like what kind of like the word time with features in part of us feels compelled to keep going with it, despite the fact that we still feel kind of you know, we're not, lukewarm not, on it we're lukewarm about it and it's sort of like well like you said if we weren't doing a show would we still be reading it and i think that's a big question and i was like well if i was just trying to be a fan i was on limited budget would features then make the cut i also think that there's a part of part in both of us that i think's indicative of a lot of comic fans where I wouldn't. I don't want to say that I'm not a huge completist, but it is one of those things where it's like you pick up a book and or you like a certain character, and it doesn't matter the quality of the book you're picking up. Like if it features that character or that concept or whatever, like you're gonna pick it up, and then you kind of sit back afterwards and like, well, that probably wasn't worth the money, but at <laughs> least I got another adventure with Wolverine. <laughs> you know? Oh, there's uh, so many adventures with Wolverine. They right? just never end. They should except release for, a book called The Adventures of Wolverine. Except for when he dies, and then uh, he comes back. And then dies again. I mean... And then c- comes back again. Comes back. It's just like, now Now it's going to be a never-ending cycle of never his, his life and his death. The life and death and life and death and life and death of Wolverine. Like, I, I would just really love if, if it becomes more and more mundane things that kill him as time goes <laughs> on. Until, like, one uh. day... Yeah, one day he gets like a street vendor hot dog and like chokes on it. <laughs> like at some point, the X Men are like, "All right, we're you know we're not we're not we're not getting him back. We're not going to hell and getting his soul. Like we're, we're done. Not, we're not doing this again. Too many times, Wolverine. You lost your chance." And someone's like, "You know, I'm trying to think of who the guy in the corner would be. Like it'd be like Nightcrawler. It'd be like, yeah, you know, I mean, it's Wolverine. Guys, why are you all leaving the room, guys?" Right. 
Yeah, we've had enough of you. <laughs> we've, but, had, we've had enough of you, Nightcrawler. Get out of here. <laughs> but, yeah, so, I mean, I'm going down my list, and I'm like, Marvel definitely takes the cake for me. Uh, surprise, DC, surprise. Do you see I'm basically down to the weekly books? Um, plus multiversity. Plus multiversity, which I'm super excited for. Super excited. Um, basically, Batman and Superman books and Justice League. And that's basically it. Yeah, you're still. Are you still picking up Superman, Wonder Woman? I I was, and I didn't pick up this most recent issue mostly because I haven't read the Doomed storyline what's uh, at all. Yeah, and I figured I was just gonna go back and read it in one big chunk somehow. You know, when they release it for like ninety nine cents on Comicsology. Right. So I was like, well, you know, I'll jump back in with Superman, Wonder Woman once the event wraps. But I'm not if if I'm not buying the rest of the issues to read what I need to to feel caught up. I, I just shouldn't bother. Yeah, so, that makes sense. That's the anti-completist in me taking control. That's good. That's good, Nick. You need to have those limits and boundaries. And of uh, course, Image Comics, you know, I'm looking at the list again. Like, that just gets bigger each month every time gosh. some new cool book comes out. Uh, it's 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 like a mugging that I'm agreeing to. <laughs> I like that. It's like we're being mugged. And, like, I'm totally excited for it every month. Like, not like... <laughs> I'm excited to get mugged. Not not that I'm like coming out on like the like the bad end. You know, I'm not I'm not coming out like like worse than I was. Like I'm obviously I'm getting something good out of it. I, I you know, I love saga so much. I gush about it all the time. But yeah, it just it just if yeah, it just feels like a couple of thugs come to my house and, you know, or they have like a, a a stick with the word image comics on it and it's like, "Come on." <laughs> pay up or you're getting you know you're getting your beaten and i'm like yeah of course here you go please don't hit me right what else what else can i buy please just love me oh it's images uh they're they're dressed to impress they've they've got a lot of cool stuff and um i don't really have anything else to say on other than that i want to point out that nothing i just said in the last like two minutes makes any sense whatsoever which is why we're going to move on before we get to the news, we're going to move on to quiz time. And I'm hijacking the quiz. What? Wait, what? I'm hijacking it. Get ready, fella. But I have a quiz here. Oh, but I got one better, Dave. Let's see what you know about superhero catchphrases. This is... I feel very uncomfortable right now. <laughs> I need an adult. Image <laughs> Comics, please come save me. I'll pay you whatever you want. You you have been caught off guard, sir. Now you know how I feel. Oh, you expect it every week. Fine. That just yeah, this saves me time next though. week. I already have a quiz ready for next week, Then Fine. Bring it on. Bring All it. Right. Let's do this. All right. So if you do not answer three out of the five questions correctly, your whole family will be captured by Brainiac and kept in a bottle. And he'll shake them every Christmas and then put them back on the table. You don't want that to happen. Like, so wait, wait. In this scenario, am I am I a roommate with Brainiac, and he just has a glass bottle on the table? Because that's what it sounds like. That it has my family. Yeah, sure. How, anyway, how clean so, is Brainiac? Does he's not the best roommate. He keeps a lot of bottled cities around. He's like a <laughs> bottle hog. Um, and I mean, he only wears the, the same outfit. Because he's like half machine. I know. I, I I just have constantly Superman busting through my wall, and I'm like, he's in there. Yeah, your 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 uh, apartment insurance is going to be pretty high. So a Man, lot this of does work, suck. 
This is a lot of reasons why you need to get this. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Okay. All right. So basically, I'm going to say a catchphrase. Okay. And then you have to guess the superhero that okay. it's associated with. Not necessarily superheroes. It could be just comic book related catchphrases. Okay. But I'll try to keep it within the realm of superheroes. All right. By the hoary host of Hoga. By the hoary host of Hoga. I feel like I should know this. Ah. Uh, oh, man. Uh, I I want to say, like, Thor. Because it sounds Thor-like, but I know that, it's going to be wrong. Yeah, that's my final answer. Nope. It's yeah. Doctor Strange. Oh, dang it. <laughs> now that you say that, I'm like, oh, it totally it is. How does it feel? <laughs> Um. <laughs> all right. Let's see. There's another one. There's another one. Um. Uh, let's do maybe challenging one. Where'd it go? Uh, You're the worst. Oh my stars and garters. Oh my st- See, this is another one that I've heard that I know. Oh no. Oh my stars and garters. Uh, Wonder Woman. Nope. Dang it. <laughs> Who is it's it? It's Beast from X-Men. Why he says that, I don't know. I don't know, but why do I feel like I should know that? Okay. All right. Let's see here. This Imperious is... Rex. Like, okay, you say these things, and my brain immediately goes, oh, yeah, it's... And then nothing. Like it's just like silence. It's a, it's like that desert from Scott Pilgrim. Imperious Rex. Um uh, <laughs> This is this is this is delicious. This is There's like good. people listening to this right now who hate me for not <laughs> No, they probably hate me every time I mess up questions I should have known. Oh, Imperious Rex. Imperious Rex. Dr. Dino. Who the hell is that? That's from uh, Atomic Robo. Oh, okay. No, it was Submariner or Namor. Okay, you know, I don't feel bad not knowing that one. I'm, I'm going to throw you one. I'm the best there is at what I do. Okay, that's not on, throwing that, me one. That's throwing you one. Everyone should know this one. I'm the best I am. Wait, what is it? I'm the best there is at what I do. Uh, let's. That's Wolverine. If I had to like pull it out of my ass. Is that your final answer? That's my final answer. You got it right. Okay, I only know that because of that one Uncanny X or the X Force comic that I read. <laughs> Um. All right. So that's three wrong, one right, yeah, no, one I've... more, and your family's already doomed to a snow globe on Brainiac's really messy desk. Yeah, I'm already like I'm already clearing space in in the kitchen for him. Right now. <laughs> oh man, what's the last one gonna be? Sweet Christmas. Sweet Christmas. Uh, I hate you. <laughs> How does it feel? Sweet Christmas. Like, it's just so cartoony. 
That seems like something like Perry White would say for some reason. <laughs> or like J. Jonah Jameson. Nope. You've uh, mentioned him before the, the show, but you won't get it at this point, I bet. I mentioned him before the show. Yeah, but you mentioned a lot of people before the show, I did so I'm really just giving you a sucker punch show. clue. So, okay, let's see. Who do we talk a lot about before the show? Uh, shoot, you know what? Uh, we didn't talk about the person a lot. There's there's two people that I could go with. It's either going to be Deadpool or Luke Cage. I mentioned them. Mm. The only one we had a conversation about was Luke Cage. So I'm going with Luke Cage. That is correct. Yes. <laughs> I didn't totally fail. Yeah, but you totally pulled that out of your ass. Yeah, I totally did. I'm surprised you didn't throw Spoon at me. Wish I would have gotten that, by the way. That was uh, the tick. Yeah. I just sent you the uh, the link of where I got the superhero catchphrases from. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at right sure now. Sure, it's not a comprehensive list. But... Man, that I that did not go well. Um, so I, I do you have Brainiac's number? I need to figure out which one of us is bringing the microwave. Yeah, yeah. After the show, I'll uh, I'll I'll, I'll uh, connect the two of you. Okay. Have fun with that. Great. This is this is. This is, this I awesome. like giving the quizzes. I think I should do it more often. I don't think you should. This power corrupted you. <laughs> now you know how it feels to be in my shoes. If anything, I appreciate it more. And thus will not fall to the dark side. No, no. Only I should have the power. Mm, it's it's too much. It's too much we'll, to be in your hands. We'll see. We'll see. It might not be the last time that I uh, hijack one of the quizzes. All right. Anyway, I'm moving on. I'm forgetting this ever happened. Yeah, because you lost. Anyway. You poor, poor loser. So there's there's one story that we kind of talked about a little bit before the show that I think we could say a lot on, so I kind of want to save that. Uh, let's let's talk about the Earth Earth One covers that have been revealed. DC's uh, Superman Earth One Volume 3 and Batman Earth One Volume 2 and still no Wonder Woman Earth One. Um. Well, the Superman one looks cool. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, they both look cool. They both look cool. It's, you know, the Superman one is a, uh, it's a uh, Artie and Sayaf, uh, who's taking over from Shane Davis. Um, mm-hmm. Artie and Sayaf is an interesting artist because I'm trying to remember who he was kind of a clone of when he first came on the scene. He's ate a couple different artists, uh, mostly the Kubert brothers. Hmm. Um, but I think he's. He's certainly, on this book, he's trying to keep uh, a visual aesthetic similar to Shane Davis. But from 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 reading Earth, the first volume of Earth Superman Earth 1 and seeing like the previews and stuff for Earth, the second volume, I, I feel like Artie and Sayas' art comes off more polished based purely on the cover. Um, mm. And I actually like it a bit better. So Yeah, I kind of do too. I, it's been a while since I've read... Volume one, and I haven't read volume two, unfortunately yeah. yet. But I, yeah, I kind of like it a little more. Yeah, there's something about it. So I, it does make me a bit more excited for the book. Uh, not that I was was unexcited, but it's sort of one of those things where I'm not chomping at the bit to get it, and I'll check it out when it comes out. You know? Yeah. My life will go on until it comes out, and I'll and, read it. No. I would just drop dead. 
I have a I have a dark confession to make. You've never read Batman Earth One. I, I know you're terrible. You can't even figure out superhero catchphrases. You call yourself a comic book fan. I cannot believe you, David. You might as well just leave this show to me. Uh no. You don't have all the passwords. Damn it. Yeah. Exactly. I'm gonna start a new show called Heck Yeah, David Luzader Stinks. He doesn't read comic books and I love comic books by Nick Shermooksness, the podcast. Oh, I have I have some really bad news that's already started. Oh. Yeah. Someone else took it. Someone else took it. And it was me just to spite you. I knew this oh, day would come. Oh, no. Uh, anyway, Batman with 1. <laughs> Batman with 1, Volume 2. I like the cover. Uh, I, when I first saw, like, the sketch of it, because when you sent me that other version a while ago, there was, like, the sketch version and the finished version. Yeah, I didn't like the sketched version that much. I was like, "Oh, this looks really weird and kind of cluttered." And but now that I see it like actually completed, I yeah. like it a lot. But it, the with the four faces making one face, it it really seems to be sort of almost like a sequel in like the movie sense. It's just like it's gonna you know the the first volume which you haven't read. Just gonna remind you of that. You know, it was very insular. It was a very, it was the singular, like, uh, of course it was a singular story. But it was just, it was very closed in. So this is clearly that sort of, it's a sequel. We've kind of put a lot of the main pieces on the board. Now let's expand them and blow them up. Like, mm-hmm. Let's blow up this universe that we're in. Uh, and that's just the vibe I get from the, co- the cover because you've got, you know, Batman sitting on the roof and you've got like the, the close-up of the eyes of different key characters mm-hmm. in the background. And it's like, Hmm. I wonder how these other all these different characters are going to play into this expanded Batman Earth One universe, which I'm a particular fan of, and, and I, I'm excited to see how Jeff Johns and Gary Frank develop their new universe. Yeah, and we know that uh, that the Riddler will be there. Yeah, which would be interesting. I mean, we, it's about a year away, but it's interesting having the Riddler take a big focus in the early development of the Batman so soon after his zero year. Mm-hmm. Which kind of did the same thing, where they said that you know this this was the early, this is like Batman's first big adventure, and the Riddler was rather key on that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's cool. I like that 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 character is being recognized as having a, because it's so tempting for everyone I think just to go for you know go for the Joker because there's there's such opposites in so many ways, but the Riddler is this different kind of challenge for Batman when he's done well. And I, and I like seeing him more, uh, especially I was going over looking at a bunch of the uh, covers for Batman just before New 52 started and all the like the Riddler was a part of it and they did a really crappy job of the Riddler because that's when they like tried to make him good for a while because he loved some girl and wanted to be a good guy. And then they apparently didn't like that. So in one issue, they just had him go bad again. And the costume he was wearing was really, really terrible. So I'm enjoying that we're getting good Riddler stories now. Yeah. He doesn't have to be a second-rate Joker as sometimes he gets no, called. No, and he doesn't... And he needs he needs to be a, uh, a challenge for Batman. He can't just be you know, a, a guy who thinks he's really smart and gets outsmarted by Batman at every turn. Like he needs to be someone who's stumping Batman for a while. That's what was so great about Zero Year, is that there was this whole big mystery that, you know, Batman thought that he had solved, and then it turns out that the Riddler had already thought about that and just upped the game. Yeah. And that, yeah. I I really liked that, and I, and I and I want to. I'm going to read Volume One, and I would love if Volume Two kind of took that same idea, 
where his his place as a villain against Batman is he's sort of his mental equal. Exactly. Uh, you know, the Joker the Joker is a great foil for Batman, but he's literally just the personification of chaos. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Riddler the the Riddler 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 the Riddler made of leather. The Riddler is sort of like he's like the crazy side of order like you know to have a riddle like it might not make sense but it's gonna have it there's an answer it, mm-hmm. something a, a logical conclusion must take place at the end so there is a sense of order and a system to how the riddler operates which in you think of batman you think that he's someone who's trying to restore order you know to a chaotic world and, and in the same sense that it's almost they're almost the same person both you know, Batman's this person who uses like scare tactics and, and intimidation and fear and whatever to to try and keep people in line, to keep people within the system. The Riddler is using, you know, well, the Riddler sees everyone as as inferior. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Batman doesn't necessarily see himself as a superior to anyone. He simply is trying to be the mediator of justice. Mm-hmm. You should, know, uh, I really think you should read this week's Batman. The arts the art's pretty good, but I, I really like the story. It's a fun it's a good it's a good one shot. I shouldn't and say fun. It's a little I know, I know it was uh it was co written by Gary Dugan and uh it's supposed to lead into Arkham Manor. Do you get any you know, preludes to Arkham Manor from it? A little bit. Yeah, it and they kind of it's also it's also a prelude to endgame. And it, I guess it takes place in the Endgame sort of world. Hmm. Uh, it actually wasn't co-written by Gary Dugan. It was like the it was co-plotted and then written by Gary Dugan. Uh, Scott so Snyder he, just helped plot it he, out. He gave Gary Gary Dugan gave Scott Snyder a break. Pretty much. And then uh, next month they're doing all of the uh, Future's End stuff, right? Yeah. Next. Yeah. Next month it's all Future's End issues, which. Yeah. You know, I don't know how much I'm gonna read into that stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I just you know I just realized I don't mean to deter a little bit, but I went to Boston Comic Con this past weekend. Oh, you did. I went to a comic book convention. I feel like that's something to bring up. All right, let's bring it up. All right. Uh, long short of it is, I was only there for the Friday show, um, but I enjoyed. I enjoyed it. It's it's great kind of having this. You know, I I was there at the first Boston Comic Con where it was basically in the the basement of a hotel. <laughs> Um, to where it is now, where it takes over the Seaport World Trade Center, uh, and where it, while it's larger, it still feels manageable. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had a good overall experience. I was fairly broke and forgot all my books to be signed. Um, I didn't get to meet Scott Snyder, um, which was unfortunate. Uh, I did, however, meet uh, the fellows from the Secret Identity podcast. Oh uh, yes, yes. One of which who gave me um, some great pointers about podcasts in general, and he said he was going to check out the show, and uh, I'm thinking like that's awesome. Like I, I was really appreciative of that. Uh, I also yep. met. Uh, we, we, well, I just want to say we do hope you guys are listening, and please shoot us an email or hit us up on Twitter or something to to let us know. We'd love to be in contact with you guys. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and. Um, I met. Uh, I actually got artwork done by Joe Canones, and I'm pretty sure I'm butchering his last name, but have at it. Uh, I had he uh, he. Um, I commissioned a a Star Lord 
uh, sketch from him because apparently whenever I go to a comic book convention, I can only ever choose Star Lord. It's kind of me with like Batman with a beard. That's that's my typical go to. Batman with a beard. Oh yeah. You have, to, you have to show me some of those. I don't think I've seen them. Oh, it's a good time. Um, but he was really great, uh, and um, I gave him I, I gave him my kind of information, and uh, he said he'd check the show out. You know whether he does or doesn't. I appreciate that he made the offer. Uh, to, at least he uh, lied to you. <laughs> at least he gave me a sense of false security. But uh, in all seriousness, I, I would love to hear from Joe, uh, um, and maybe even get him on the show. Do we do, do we dare to dream? Do we dare to fly that close to the sun? <laughs> well, I would like to. So would uh, I. Um, but uh, it, it was a great show, you know. Uh, I walked around a bunch of vendors. I, didn't, I when I go to conventions, I don't really go for the vendors simply because, uh, as, as I've mentioned early in the show, I already have a fat stack of comic books. I'm trying to whittle down. The idea of going and like buying more books that I'm not going to read <laughs> is is kind of a tall order. And with the limited resources I have, I like being able to approach artists directly and be like, "Joe, I love your artwork." Yeah, because you're, you're on a first name basis with all these guys. Apparently, yeah. Now, now I'm on a first name basis with all of them. Isn't that nice? <laughs> um, you know, but but just being able to go to like to an artist that you're a big fan of and just and have something to call your own, I think is the best feeling. So it's a little, you know, it's a little time consuming because you know if you get there early enough, you know, you might get your piece of art, you know, by the end of the day. Especially if you're only there for one day. And and I was really appreciative of Joe because he prioritized my work um, just to get it done because uh, I guess everyone, you know. Most people on the list were there for the whole weekend, and I was like, I'm leaving at 8. Um, yeah, a really so. common thing now that a lot of people are doing are they, they do online commissions, like you sign up beforehand. Yep, I saw that, yeah. It's it's a smart way of doing it, I think. Yeah. Makes it less chaotic and give the artists a head start if they have the time. Exactly. They can start stuff before the weekend or they have to. Yeah. yeah. No, it's anyway. smart. It's smart. Um, no, but it, it was a great show. It, it's good. You know, I hadn't, act, I realized I hadn't really gone in the last couple of years, I think. Um, so it's, it's nice getting back into it. Uh, I definitely felt overwhelmed at first. I, I mean, it's not every day you're just in a giant mass of people and you forget like mm-hmm. that's not a common occurrence. Yeah. So you're just like, Oh my gosh, what do I do? Um, but we ended up leaving and coming back in, like we went and got lunch somewhere and then came back and it was like, wow, no, 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 this is good. This is manageable. I can do this. And uh, lots of cool people in costumes. Um, a lot of great effort. There was a giant Chewbacca walking around. Nice. Uh, that was pretty impressive. But no, it was an overall great show. I'm really excited to see the Boston uh, comic convention scene uh, grow year after year. I, I, I really see it becoming something special in the uh, convention circuit you know, in the next you know few years. Whoa, what just happened there? My mic fell on my computer. Where, where are you keeping your mic that it's falling, man? Come on. I am laying on a bed. Oh, yeah, I forget. That's, yeah, you're crazy. Anyway, yeah, I I haven't been to a convention in a while, which sucks because I should have gone all the time in Phoenix. I'm pretty sure I could have gotten in free every year. You think, just like, you think so? Well, just, I have enough connections with the people in the comic scene there. Uh, I mean, one of the one of the only times I did go, I got in for free because this guy's like, I have an extra pass, and I was like, sweet, that, you know, that makes it a lot easier for me to get off my butt and go. Uh, and that, 
and I I used to go through to so many conventions, like in Phoenix and some outside of Phoenix. Not all comic related, but that's part of my past. I'm not willing to currently disclose. And none of them were sex related, you weirdos. Uh, just other conventions of other nerd type stuff that is not necessarily related to comics. I think I got kind of got burned out on being in giant crowds for a while. Yeah, and, and now it, it, it's Don. Like I said, you forget that it doesn't happen all the time. Yeah, you especially know? now that like we're out of college, you know. And actually, I just want to do a quick call because I uh, I actually just hopped over to the Secret Identity Podcast uh, website, uh-huh. and the current post is them recommending our show. Really? Really? Uh, Brian, who was the person the the guy the person I met from their booth at the show. Uh, called us out and uh, recommended our show and said that if people like their show, they should check out ours. Wow. So, um, oh huge props to Brian. Really appreciate that. Sorry I missed it until right now. Um, and uh, to reciprocate it, if you like our show, you should check out the Secret Identity Podcast. Yeah, absolutely. That is so cool. Thank you, guys. If you if you take a listen to this. Oh, man. I... <laughs> You can tell we're a young podcast because we're just like, you know, just everything's like wide-eyed and we're just super appreciative. We haven't become jaded about the podcast scene yet. No, I don't, and I don't think that I think we will. I'm being facetious, but um, no, no, that, that's that's really cool. We really appreciate you guys over at the uh, Secret Identity Podcast. Thanks yeah. for Thanks for calling us out. Man, they're so cool. <laughs> I'm all like, I'm all like, you, you sound like self- a kid that's sitting on the sidewalk after the bus drops him off, just like, oh yeah, guys. I'm just like so self, like like the senior, like the cool senior, just talked to me. <laughs> in high I'm like, did people see that? Did everyone see that I'm cool now? Uh, I'm the guy with the Batman backpack <laughs> in high box. school. Yeah. <laughs> My mom's proud of the way that I dress. Uh, uh, but but seriously, thank you guys. That's awesome. Yeah, super Means cool. Means a lot. All right. Well, there's still like eight news stories, and we're running short on time, so we're not going to talk about all of them. Really? It feels like we're actually making record time here. Uh, we've, we are. We've been recording for uh, almost an hour and a half. Oh, okay. So record time. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Rocket Raccoon, number one book in July. Looking at those numbers, kind of ridiculous. Yeah, part of that was because uh, that that whole loot crate thing, which I still don't one hundred percent get. Yeah, I don't really get what loot crate is. It, I guess it's it's a subscription service where you sign up and for some odd amount of money you get sent a box full of stuff. Yeah, and that I is guess, gonna screw with numbers. And so, so basically, the you know who bought the majority of the Rocket Raccoon issues was Loot Crate themselves to put in their boxes, which mm. in theory could create more readers down the line yeah that's interesting we'll have to talk about that if we see something like that happen again in the future i feel like that'd be a good discussion point absolutely because that's that is i think a, a good discussion point would be the you know the, the the success or failure of a book and also the fact that a lot of books um their success or failure is based on their pre-orders uh not just the from the initial issue but how many people how many books comic shops actually order month uh-huh. in and month out well, yeah because they have to pay for it yeah and so you, you you take it like what i you know i realize that I, I haven't updated my polis in a while i i've been very lazy so there i'll make sure i get to the comic shop with you know early enough that some books that i really want to get that i haven't added are still there mm-hmm. i pick them up but i also realize that for some of them like 
me putting them on my list and being a, a quote unquote dedicated reader what sends you know a bit of a signal to the comic shop and to the publisher that you know that, that the actual reader base has increased yeah you know because you just pick it off the shelf the store makes some money which is awesome but it doesn't necessarily yeah the, you know their numbers increase when you have it like when you request it specifically to be in your box exactly because they might because now they're they're ordering one more issue but probably still ordering that additional issue that i would have just picked off off the shelf yeah shelf, exactly not the shell the shell <laughs> ordering uh comics and a half shell turtle power which <laughs> uh let's power. not let's not talk about that i'm I don't. You, I don't. You didn't see the movie, did you? No, I'm not. But even just the idea of it wounds me. Like I have such a love for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And you're just you're not you're not all about that film. No, and I like I, I'm probably not ever gonna see it. But even just like the like the fact that it exists, it's like I'm a vampire that knows somewhere somebody's cooking with garlic right now. <laughs> yeah, just it, it fills it's five me with clock somewhere. It feels, what that doesn't work. Does it yes, work? Uh, well, I guess it would work more. No, I would say if I was an alcoholic, I knew someone was drinking. Well, that would mean loving Ninja Turtles is a bad thing, and it's well, not. It's well, not. I tried. I tried, David. Yeah. Well, maybe you just shouldn't. Uh, <laughs> just kidding, Nick. <laughs> oh man. All right. Look, any of these stories that you wanna you wanna uh, talk about before we um... we cut and run? I like the speculation thing I posted from Bleeding Cool. Okay. Yeah, the idea see. that Vin Diesel came out and then retracted a statement on his Facebook page, or, or uh, not so much a statement as a tease, that uh, uh, he said something to the effect of, Marvel thinks I must be inhuman yeah. or something like that. I get that. the strange feeling that Marvel thinks I'm inhuman, ha-ha. And I'm thinking, well, it's not... Con- like, I, there hasn't been an instant yet where Marvel has had one actor play multiple roles now someone the exception told me, of paul bettany coming up as the vision well but that's totally gonna be it's a, that's sort of an outgrowth of what he's already doing right. so it doesn't change much now from what um, i from what i've heard though marvel's kind of said and and this is what someone told me it's the second hand information i could be entirely wrong um that once you're cast in the marvel universe that's who you are yeah so I don't think him being Black Bolt or something like that is a possibility, unless Groot himself was going to be a member of the Inhumans. What is kind of what the speculation was, was that Groot could be an Inhuman, you know, because they haven't, I don't think they established in Guardians of the Galaxy that he, they didn't t- say what world he comes from. True. Um, and in, on the comics, he comes from Planet X, but in the movies, they could because, st- I mean, the Inhumans have a dog. It's I'm pretty sure he's still an inhuman. I'm trying to remember, there was this whole retcon kerfuffle thing about where they said that he was an inhuman, and they said no, he's not inhuman. He really is just some weird dog. But I don't really remember where that finished up. But they, you know, inhumans are known for their fairly freakish outward appearances, and Groot could totally fit that bill. Hey, he wasn't freakish. He was adorable as a potted plant. And if I see one more fan-made potted plant Groot, I'm going to probably not click on the link. <laughs> You're gonna have one of those in your car that gets uh, action. Uh, what is it? What am I trying to say? Activates by sunlight. Like there's there's none that I've seen though. Like there's some that are neat, but none that I don't know have have the look enough that I would want. You know, mm. it's just not close enough to the real deal. I like the uh, what are those things called? The little like short figures. You know, the mini mates. Is that like the? 
where they have like the giant heads and the tiny bodies. There's uh, there's a billion D of them. Oh, like the pop mates or pop. Yeah, it's pop pop heads. something. Yeah. Swimmy Swami Swanson Swanson, Samsonite. Ron, Ron Swanson. Ron Swanson. Uh, anyway, I saw one of those of the little plant Groot, and I liked that a lot. Actually, the uh, I, on I'm still on the Secret Identity podcast website, mm-hmm. and uh, they they took some pictures from the con, and I don't know how I missed this one. It may have been someone from the Saturday or Sunday show. Yeah. Um, but it actually was Groot in a potted plant. Yeah, I saw that when pot. I was looking at their page. Yeah, yeah that that's funny. That is good. That's uh, good anyway, so Inhumans, I, uh, as a movie, I don't know about that one. Because I can see people, you know, people keep talking about Guardians of the Galaxy was a huge gamble. But I can see why that worked as a movie. It makes a lot of sense to me why it worked. And the, the fan the fan base that exists around sci-fi, that, that would be much more drawn to this movie. I don't really know Inhumans that well, but from what I know, they don't have that same... They, they don't have the same thing. They don't seem to have anything in them that really clicks to me as this is going to be like their defining thing uh that's going to make a movie work do you get what i'm saying Mm. Mm. or am i just totally like i i I don't i'm not making any sense there whatsoever i think you're crazy david that is absolutely for sure but but now is that is that marvel's gonna thing now are they just gonna start doing team movies no, not. No. Are we, are are we, we gonna get? get not, are we gonna get yeah. not another team movie, which is gonna be the parody, <laughs> and also likely the episode title? Well, no. Um, I mean, it's a balancing, and it's not entirely Marvel's fault. They know there's it's supply and demand. They know that to a large extent they can't satisfy everyone, yeah. and they want to fit as many characters that make sense in any given movie. Now, on one hand, like Captain America, Thor, Iron Man, their solo films. But in certain cases, like Thor, Captain America, there's certain supporting or side characters that are kind of bigger than just being sort of, a, you know, a wallflower. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you want to give them a little bit more presence, like, say, Black Widow and Captain America. Um, you know, who, who could lead a, a movie or a, she could lead, at the very least, she could lead a story in her own right, you know. Right. Um, so I don't think it's going to be team movies per se because Ant-Man's coming up and there's going to be more Captain America and Thor I think it just depends on the character you know if they do a Black Panther movie I think he's a character that by nature any supporting characters in in that film wouldn't necessarily be stealing prominent screen time away from Black Panther yeah and and maybe maybe, uh, I don't know maybe maybe it's just just my whole thing where it's like if you were to tell me that like yeah there's going to be a Black Panther movie I'd I'd be like, well, people don't really know Black Panther. Like, what's the point there? Like, maybe Inhumans is going to come out and it's going to be, like, amazing. I don't know. I just... I, like, I know very little about them, and nothing about them stands out in the way that, like, something stood out from Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, why did Guardians of the Galaxy work as a movie in the Marvel Universe? Well, Avengers and everything so far has been about Earth. And they're saying, hey, we're going to expand beyond Earth and there's going to be this whole big universe out here, which they kind of did with Avengers, I realize. But everything still has has been about Earth. And this is like, nope, we're going to go bigger. We're going to go beyond that. 
and it, it was it was a great expansion and they you know they had the tone of it that was completely right and they had the formula that all worked out and you had a, a talking raccoon which everyone is obsessed with and a tree and just nothing nothing about inhuman screams screams any of that like anything out to me that's just like this is gonna be an amazing movie well or it could be an amazing movie it's it's something where marvel is trying to to buck the idea that they're not replacing the x-men which i personally i don't think that they are no but you know they are the publishing side now is fairly intertwined with the success or failure of the marvel movies in a lot of ways the the publishing line is their first line of defense with building an audience and they've been very intent on building up the inhumans in the comics you know that and it's been no secret that the inhumans have been a forthcoming movie property it, it really depends on how they approach the film in the comic which the third issue of just has just come out and everything is spilling out from was it last year the infinity event i guess that was last year yep. uh, all these events blur together now year after year but um you know, it deals with the fact that these uh, that there are more Inhumans popping up all over the world. So, what so exactly ways, is an Inhuman? Like, just for the people who don't. In twenty seconds. Yeah, give me the shortest version you can. The shortest version of the Inhumans is that they were, in a sense, uh, the result of a genetic experiment done by the Kree, okay. like aeons ago, during like hu- like early primitive human time. Um, uh, I believe they were designed with the intent to be weapons and something, 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 something created their own sort of insular society uh, uh, with a monarchy and Black Bolt's the king. Uh, who's the king? Something, something. Black Bolt. Oh, okay. Who, who, if you don't know, I'm getting the vibe that you don't know. So I'm going to answer this thought that you're having, David. What is Black Bolt's real name? Well, I'm going to tell you. Are you ready? Hold on, hold on. I, I'm going to prepare myself. Holy crap, that's a terrible real name. Go for it. Did you just look it up? I did. <laughs> Blackagar Boltagon. Like, what? <laughs> it's, it's, is... like a chi- it's like a chicken and the egg argument. Did, like, his mom name him Blackagar Boltagon, and he was just like, I'll call myself Black Bolt. That is the most Stan Lee Jack Kirby name. Right? I, like, that is them at their laziest. <laughs> like, we have a character, Black Bolt. What's his real name going to be? Uh, Blackagar Bolt again? Genius! Send it off to the press. <laughs> but really, it's good stuff. Oh, man. Um, oh, man. I well, mean, I'm resigning issue... now. I can never name anything better than, it, better than Blackagar that. Bolt again. <laughs> I mean, but in, in all seriousness, I think the Inhumans is a cool concept. It's hard to say if, it, if the Inhumans under their original like kind of premise would be super successful. I don't think there's any reason why it couldn't. It just comes down to the execution. Yeah. With the way that Maybe I need treating, to read into it more. What, what, basically what Marvel could use the Inhumans as in their, their own, their movie universe is a stand in for mutants because what, I mean, what mm-hmm. they've been doing in the comics is that, you know, uh, I was almost going to call him by his first name, Black Bolt, um, um, released the Terrigen Mist that grant them their abilities uh-huh. out into the world. So now anyone who has any stray strand of inhuman DNA in their system will turn into an inhuman, which has basically the same results as being a mutant. You, oh, they're totally going case, that route. They, they, turn, they get into a cocoon, and then they stay in sort of like a, a metamorphosis stage for uh, 
various periods of time, some shorter, some longer. And then they come out the other side and they might still look like they're normal cells, but they can shoot lasers out of their face. Uh, other cases, like there's a new character named Inferno. You know, he basically is kind of like the human torch. He can light on fire and, and other stuff. Another character came out who is no longer with us, and he looked like the the red the red. Wow, I'm already butchering what I'm trying to say. Um, the red-headed stepchild of Mole Man, and that's already a pretty low thing to go to. Um, you know, like, and so you look at some of the Inhumans, like Trigon is you know a fishy-looking guy. You've got the guy with hooves that I can't think of his name off the top of my head, you know, like they're almost meant to be more freakish than the X-Men, hmm. you know? Yeah. But it still can play with sort of that mutant angle without obviously being mutants because they're still owned by Fox. Okay. Interesting. So if they, if they approach inhuman from that direction, I think you'll have, you'll, you'll get Marvel have their X-Men stand in where you can, they can still approach it from, the sort of the, the person on the ground point of view make it more relatable yeah. because I think if they just made a movie about a bunch of overstuffed uh, royal royals in, yeah, in and, the royal and, family I don't think it would go see, off see and, that, and that's kind of what I was thinking like it, it felt a little too serious a little too stuffy for the, what Marvel's currently doing but the way that yeah. you're describing that makes a lot more sense they, they if, could play it up that way for yeah, sure if they went that direction that I could I could definitely see that working a lot more Alright, so. you've, you, you've convinced me well enough. Boom! Well enough for now. But I say we go ahead and do our recommendations and get the heck on out of here. Let these people run free. Freedom! Alright, I'll, I'll start us off with recommendations. And uh, what I'm recommending this week is actually something I had uh, come across again over the weekend, which is the Sin City movie from i don't from 2005 wow yeah it has been a long time i took a girl on a date to that movie wow that's, that's why we awkward <laughs> but that, that means it's been nine years oh like, my gosh the sequels, I'm so old. Well, the sequels coming out nine years later is more what i mean anyway that, that's actually pretty impressive yeah it really that, is i don't it, know if impressive is the white word surprising or whatever just like it, it actually that did, long it did pretty well in the box office too. Like it's a little surprising that it took this long. Yeah, I mean, I think that really count came down to you know Robert Rodriguez and uh, Frank Miller. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seemed like I, I feel like it's been in production since the first one came yeah, out. Yeah, there's been it a lot. It literally of talk just of has it. been middling until now. Mm-hmm. So anyway, Sin City follows three separate stories that are loosely connected. And their biggest connection is they all take place in Basin City or Sin City, as it's called. Um, and it's it's based on a Frank Miller comic, where it, it's it's really kind of noir taken to an extreme, with a lot of fetishizing and extreme violence and a little bit of supernatural elements thrown in. Uh, you actually had kind of some big names in on it at the time. Because some of them are not quite big as big names anymore, uh, but I mean you had you had Bruce Willis in there, Jessica Alba, Elijah Wood, Mickey Rorick, uh, Benicio del Toro, Rosario Dawson, a number of those all returning for the sequel, which will take place both before and after the last movie. By the way, 
Did you? Hmm. you yeah. I, I did. I was aware of that. Okay. So it'll be interesting how it plays out. Yeah, because I, I was watching the latest trailer, and there's a whole storyline with Marv, which doesn't make a lot of sense considering how his storyline ended. Anyway, uh, it is very stylized. It is very violent. It is probably one of the truest to life comic book adaptations of all time. Uh, and I, th- I think it's great. There's parts of it that are a little ham-fisted in the writing and the delivery, but I think that's comics for you. There's times, you know, where they say like, well, you know, like things, the things you wouldn't say in a normal conversation that they say purely for story reasons. Mm-hmm. But even then, it's done in such a way uh, that works in the, in the noir sense and really adds to the atmosphere of of what they're doing. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I had forgotten how much I had enjoyed it, and I'm very much looking forward to the second one. So before the second one comes out, do yourself a favor. If you've never seen it for some reason, go watch it. And if you have seen it, go watch it again. 300 times. No, 300 was a different movie. Oh, yeah. Both done by Frank Miller. Hmm. Who has not done a comic in a long time probably not a bad thing anyway your recommendation my recommendation is a book that i've been meaning to read for probably about the same amount of time as sin city has been waiting for its sequel (laughs) actually i don't know when it originally came out but it's called the sword the s word by the luna brothers one of which is named jonathan the other one i am blanking on um but the the sword is they just won an eisner award anyway continue the uh joshua jonathan and joshua luna um i believe their debut book was girls um which is also on my reading list so sword is their follow-up to that um case in point not case in point why would i even say that (laughs) (laughs) ergo vis-a-vis okay the architect you should pick up the sword i have nothing else to say um no and i told you before the show i'm only four issues in but I'm hooked enough on it, and it's rare for me to get so hooked into a book. Um, You're hooked into a book. I am. Like I'm, pl- I'm, I'm, I'm matrixed into it. Um, it but it's uh, the the first issue pitch of it is um, there's a girl who she's a paraplegic, and um, she she's basically having dinner with her family. She's an art student. Things are kind of going well you know as much as they can in that circumstances uh and then three people show up at her house and are like uh are like confronting her Uh oh nick from them okay um, wait hold on hold on you you've cut out at confronting her there can you hear me yeah 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 we're good now Okay, so three people show up at, at her house while she's having dinner with her family, um, confronting her father uh, about a sword that uh, that they want. Uh, they're calling her father by a different name, and they insist on getting the sword. Um, and basically, it turns into a complete shit show after that. Hmm. Um, it's been out long enough. like I could reveal the contents of the first issue. Well, and it's actually the second time. I've read the first issue, um, which was kind of like from when I read it way, way back. Um, uh, I remember it shocking me. Like, I just, I wasn't expecting it. 
So, and what I found is that in four issues alone, they managed to top each like cliffhanger where you're really just like, you have to read the next issue because you're, you're just, you're, you're just so curious how they're going to get out of that, that, that previous situation. Um, but needless to say, the main character does come into contact uh, with the, with said sword and it leads to a uh, oh no it leads to a what leads to a what Nick character's name is Dara okay alright you cut out again it leads to what leads to a grounded but clearly mystical adventure okay but it's good the art I mean it's it's their own style um you know, I, I personally enjoy it. I think their handle of dialogue is very good. Um, something about it like makes each character feel distinct. Uh, I feel like they're able to carry the exposition well, like mm-hmm. the, the the necessary information without feeling bogged down. Um, I also was kind of preempted to pick up the sword because I've been following their oh not. Joshua, but Jonathan Luna has been doing a book with uh, another creator named Sarah Vaughn called Alex Plus Ada, which I had recommended uh, in a previous episode. So now this is kind of me going back and seeing some of the previous work. And uh, I basically, when I get off the show, I'm probably going to read the next issue. Nice. So, I mean, The Sword by the Luna Brothers. Check it out. It's all of... Actually, I think there's still a, a sale going on Comixology right now where you can get the, a lot of their books for 99 cents that's so if if it's uh if it's still going on i definitely remember recommend checking it out though i'm looking real quick and it looks like it was a one-day sale because it's not showing up uh do i search so never mind you cannot S-word. go on comicsology and find it well then why would you possibly lie that's it to our listeners like that horrible right Right? I'm just kidding, guys. I love you. Thanks for listening. Please don't shoot me. <laughs> um, anyway, that is going to do it for us. You can find out more about the show at heckyeahcomics.com. You can find us on iTunes and now on Stitcher. You can follow the show on Twitter at heckyeahcomics. You can shoot us an email with your questions, comments, concerns, and we're still waiting on somebody to explain the ending of the wake to us, uh, at, <laughs> to heckyacomics at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at DavLuz. You can find Nick trapped in a never-ending journey to find some mystical sword that has to do with his father, yada, yada, yada. Uh, That's think, what I'll be. I think that does it for us. Nick, any final thoughts? Heck Yeah! Until next week, folks, if you enjoyed the show, tell your friends. And if you hated it, then please tell your enemies. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Worst episode ever.